This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow and this is the Goop Podcast where we bring together visionaries, scientists, healers, artists, and seekers. I'm so grateful that I get to interview these extraordinary thought leaders and share their wisdom with you. And I love listening to the conversations that are led by my co-host and dear friend, Cleo Wade. Cleo is a beautiful poet and author. I deeply admire her and the way she keeps her heart open to the world. Together, we believe that engaging in open-minded, honest, and sometimes difficult conversations has the power to change our lives. All right, over to Cleo. My guest today is Bonnie Wan. Bonnie is the author and creator of The Life Brief. Today, we sat down and talked about how her background as a brand strategist in advertising was the force behind The Life Brief which is a process that Bonnie created to help people reimagine their lives and get clear on what they really want. We talked about her own journey to creating the life brief, and then we got into how to apply the process to different areas of our lives, including marriage, parenting, work, and more. The first step, says Bonnie, is getting messy and dumping out your uncensored thoughts in order to unearth your deepest truths, the things we're afraid to say, or what we've pushed so far down that we've forgotten. As I mentioned at the end of our conversation today, if you're looking for a group of people to do the life brief with, email me, cleo at cleoway.com. I would love to help connect you to each other. All right, let's get to my conversation with Bonnie Wan. Bonnie, when did you speak at Goop? Oh, wow. It was the San Francisco Summit. So whatever year that was, it, 2019, I believe, because it was just before the pandemic. Wow. Well, this book is so cool, but I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed it because I love the format because I feel that there's something for someone, no matter what the current pace of their life is. So whether you only have a minute of the day to kind of stay or find yourself in the present moment to have 
uh, space to dream or set goals or remind yourself the value of living your life and all the things that you want, whether you have a minute for like a single mantra from this book, or you have an hour to really go into um, the prompts and, and, and really do the workbook aspect of this. Mm -hmm. It's something you get really get to live with. And I and I just loved it. So I, I loved that so much because I felt that it's actually helpful for the modern person because our days look so different. Um, Thank you for spotlighting that. That was very intentional because I work in my business. It's always running at the speed of culture, the speed of business. And I wanted to make this not only accessible and inviting, but irresistible and inexcusable. Mm, that is so beautiful. Okay. So tell me about, since you've m just mentioned it for anyone who does not know what you do, when you say that in, in your business, can you tell our goop peeps, what are you up to all day? Well, my job for the last three decades has been finding meaning in messiness. So I'm a brand strategist in advertising. So anyone who's not in that space, my job is to help companies get really clear about what their essence is so that they can innovate and create from that place of distinction and clarity. And the tool that we use as strategists is what's called a creative brief. And right mm -hmm. there in that name is its essence. It's meant to be brief. We say sharp and sticky because we're distilling a brand often into one word, three words, one single strategy. And how we express it is as important as getting clear about what it means. I think one of the coolest things about whether it's podcasting or social media is that, you know, I grew up going to a library to find out anything that someone did for a job. And so there could be someone out there who's just never even heard the last five sentences that you said or heard of, of, of it in that way. And so if this is someone's first time today, can you tell me a little bit about your journey in creating this process called the life brief and how it has kind of helped you to personally find your way I know that it's something that you kind of, you were your own guinea pig in a way. And by the way, that's why the book is good. Because usually I always say that about any, everything I write, I write for myself. I'm not someone who hypothetically mm -hmm. solves a problem for someone. I heard the problem in the living room with my friends. I heard myself have the problem. It's advice I would give my mom. It's advice I would give my best friend and myself. And so can you kind of take me through the process of not only writing this, but you know, how you, how it's helped you personally and maybe your close friends. Yeah. The whole idea came about because I was in a moment of dark despair about my own life. And it was a ugly time. I, I call it the dark chapter of my marriage. Mm. You know, we had three kids under the age of five. We now have four. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. I was the sole breadwinner. I was the 24-hour restaurant. I was um, the playdate planner, the grocery shopper, the meal, the, the, the housekeeper, the cook, all of it. And it felt insane. And I was commuting a lot for work. And I felt I was doing the unfair share mm -hmm. of the household. And 
Now to be really empathetic to my husband, he just didn't know how to satisfy me. I was critical. We were comparing. We were debating, negotiating, arguing. It just felt really bleak to me. And at the lowest point in that in that time, I, I guess my rock bottom, it was either we were going to separate in my mind or I was going to do something else. And the alternative was I turned to my reflexes as a strategist, which is, okay, I'm going to write this out because as strategists, we, we collect data, we collect research, and the data was going to come from me this time. And I allowed myself to just dump in writing, in notebooks, and write freely from a place of naked honesty around the question, what do I want? Not what does my husband expect? What do my parents want? What do my children need? It was purely from the center of my own essence of what do I want in this moment, really? And as I dumped it out, it was interesting because the story that was playing in my head was not the story that was coming out through the pen in the mm. notebook. So what was the what was the story? Well, the story in my head was that my husband was the problem. Mm-hmm. I was with the wrong person. He mm-hmm. was not the right partner for holding this big life we had created. But on the page, what I noticed was everything I was writing had to do with time. And I that was my first aha in looking at and rereading and reviewing all of my scrappy notes was that I had a bad relationship with time. Mm -hmm. I was spreading myself thin. I was saying yes to too many things that didn't matter. And that left me with no energy or time for the things that did, for the people that did, including him. Mm -hmm. And so that first realization and epiphany automatically shifted where I turned my attention. And that's the beauty of what I've learned in this practice is when you get insight and as strategists, you get insight and suddenly you aim your attention differently into a different path of possibility. And that's exactly what happened there. And I started writing more to get to that again, the answer, what do I want? And everything shifted and became about how I wanted to change my time and attention Mm -hmm. and what I wanted to say yes to and what I want to say no to. And that created an opening that turned that really dark moment of despair into a moment of hope. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. 
To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. And so if you're going between yeses and nos, how do you then organize your yeses? You know, it's mm-hmm. interesting because Gloria Steinem was once asked, you know, there's so many problems in the world. How do you prioritize? And she's like, you don't. You just go towards what you know you can do and you do it. And I, and while I'm not saying as, as I, I have two kids, two small kids, and I don't think that that is possible in that way, but I, I often wonder about how we harmonize these yeses rather than trying to balance these yeses. Cause there's, I think there's a lot of time lost in shame and beating up on or feeling bad about or complaining or this and that. So if we put even all of that waste of time in our nose, then <laughs> yeah. what is the org of our yeses? What does that look like? Well, that judgment, first of all, is so draining. It just Mm -hmm. takes it all out of you. So yes, I have three buckets of time. There's the sacred time, the thing that's most essential to the thing I want. So if I'm looking at that first life brief that we created, it was all about time. And, And the name of that brief, because a life brief has five or less whatever you, you know, no hard rules, but five declarative statements where you end with an exclamation. You have a feeling that this is what I want. It's Mm -hmm. sacred. It's non-negotiable. It gives you this sense of goosebumps or fire in the belly. It's activating. When you read these sentences back to yourself, you think, yes, fuck yes, that is what I want. So when you get to that place, then you name it And for us, that first brief was take our time. Mm. And so on one level, it meant slow it down. On another level, take our time meant take control of it again. And then that just became an automatic filter for my day. So the bucket one is sacred, non-negotiable, fits right into that filter or brief of taking our time. And then there's what I call housekeeping time, stuff that I just got to show up for. It's just the responsibility Mm -hmm. of life. I got to do the groceries. I got to cook the meal. We got to change the diapers. This is not, this is not time or or responsibilities to have feelings about. We Mm -hmm. just go do it. And then we had the bucket of distractions, drama, all the things that get in the way. They're the nuisance. They're the you know, we think they might matter if we don't have a clear brief. If we don't have clarity, those things might deceivingly seem important. Mm-hmm. But when you have clarity, you automatically say, oh, yeah, that doesn't fit. It's yeah. neither housekeeping or sacred. Mm. It's. I'm sure like so many of the listeners right now, we're going through our, our own buckets and being like, hmm, that's not sacred. <laughs> Or, yeah, I have a, I call it those things, low stakes productivity. Love that. It's cleaning out the, the garage and da, 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 because there is something that I think helps keep your flow going when you, if you're somebody who, you know, I, I'm a recovering kind of type A doer of everything. Um, Me too. I'm so, a retired perfectionist. Yes. And so in that I, I do find flow in feeling like I've, you know, clearing what I would say, clearing the runway for, mm-hmm. cause I have always been the person who I can't, 
Right. If I know there's dishes in my sink, like, you know, there are just certain things you have where you just know that you need to feel that you could set the space to be able to drop into whatever your zone is. And so I love that kind of whether it's the groceries or whether it's making the list, the packing list for the kids or whatever, because it's that like kind of low stakes flow mode, which I think staying in it helps you to draw, create the space to drop into the bigger kind of. Exactly. I call them conditions, but I love low stakes flow because you, you get, you already feel that sense of ease and I call it just making sure that you understand yourself and what you need to be productive, effective, creative, alive. And those dishes in the sink go against that. So let's get rid of them. What do you recommend for the people who are trying to figure out what are those things that make you feel productive and alive? Are there questions you feel that, or were there any prompts for you that day on the page? I mean, your book it has so many prompts and and I'm sure that your answer to my question is just that they should read your book and do your prompts. But were there prompts you found yourself answer, you know, kind of subconsciously giving yourself an answering on the page that day? When time came out as the clear theme and 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 the idea, I started just filtering through my mind very quickly. When do I feel rich in time? And when do I feel depleted in time? So part of the practice of doing this is a practice of curiosity. So mm-hmm. one insight leads to more questions and those questions unpack more insights. And then that layered effect is like peeling back an onion till you get to the core. And mm-hmm. so the book acts as a trainer and a toolbox of curiosity to help come at your life and how you examine your life in really fun, irresistible, low stakes ways that hopefully unlock new answers and new perspectives. Was there a light bulb moment you had when you realized, I think this will work for someone besides me? Yes. You know, my journey to the book is maybe unique. I, I meet a lot of authors now who had the idea, they wrote the book, and now they teach it. But this one started in my life, and then I was asked to teach it. Mm-hmm. And then over 14 years, I taught it to lots of different people, and I applied it to lots of different parts of my life. So now I have a life brief for leadership at my agency. I have a life brief for parenting. I have a wealth brief. I have obviously a marriage brief. I have a self brief and I engage in it. I call it a practice because it applies to so many different things. And so when I started teaching it and having taught it over 14 years, I've just naturally been gifted so many different examples and different ways it's worked for other people. So I call it not only time tested, it's life tested. And that allowed me when it when the invitation came to write the book, I just had a lot to work with. What are some of the biggest questions people have asked you, or the most common questions people have asked you? In, I'd say maybe for our listeners, like you're in the work brief and in the marriage brief. Mm. In the work, well, work and marriage have a shared connection. Mm. People always think they only have two choices when it comes to work or 
their relationship? Do I stay or do I leave? Is it a yes or a no? Mm -hmm. It's always kind of this limited binary sense. And for me, I've had two longstanding relationships in my life. I've been married for 23 years and I've been at my company, my agency for 25 years. Mm. So when I look at those two relationships, I don't see one, one long continuum. I see lots of different chapters and I could probably go through and name all those chapters. And I could have written probably a brief for each one of those chapters. And Mm. so The common question is always, where do I start? How do I start to figure out what I want? And how do I get beyond the stay or go set of choices? What is kind of sticking out to me is you being a retired perfectionist, writing a book about the mess. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I didn't count how many times you see the word mess in this book, but I'd say that if somebody counted the word mess in your book, it'd be comparable to the amount of times they see the word love in one of my books. And so to be this kind of leader in the mess, and and when I first opened the book, I remember thinking, oh, wow, this reminds me of, and I've done this ever, my mom actually reminded me that I've done it since I was a little girl, but I still do it to this day, which is I again, my low stakes productivity, I love cleaning out my closet and I have to take everything out and put it on the floor. Mm. And I have to then go one by one and put everything back in its place. Everything has to come out of the drawers and there has to be a pile where everything is for an entirely new way for me to organize and understand what's going on. And when I first started your um, book and and I, you know, just kind of read the back first and then I was kind of going through it. And then before I dove in, I was like, this lady is asking us to take everything out. <laughs> I love I love hearing one, your experience of the book. Thank you for sharing that. But I was like that as a kid too. I had this little drawer in my desk that I was obsessed with in my little white, I don't know, shiny patent desk. And it was full of Sanrio products, the Hello Kitty, you know, My Melody, oh, okay. Tiny. And I... I would do exactly what you said. Take them all out, re rearrange them every day. Every day yep. it was so gratifying. But yes, this is what getting messy is all about. So there's two, three parts of the book: getting messy so that you can get clear, and then you get active. And the best part is getting active becomes automatic once you get clear. But I meet so many women, in particular, who are afraid of getting messy. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Where do you feel like you you made your first big mess? Was it that day on the page? Because it was just, you just were kind of emptying your own inner junk drawer onto the page? Yeah. yeah and then you it, kind of took it and made it in, 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 in and created an org system for everything you let out? I'm a reluctant writer. So that day, allowing that night, allowing everything to come out nakedly, messily. And it was, it was scribbly. It was wet because I was crying. 
I didn't, I, I am a Virgo too. So me I too. Like- September 13th. <laughs> oh, September 22nd. Wow. So I like things neat and organized and it, it feeds that perfectionist tendency. But this time it was raw. It was messy. It uh, had scribbles. I hate scribbles. I like highlights. I like to be super neat in my journal, but that day it was rough. Yeah. And I allowed it to be. And it felt freeing. It feels like when I go out in the rain with my kids and it's muddy and I just let go. It doesn't happen a lot, but I'll just let them get dirty and mm-hmm. get the let the dog get in there and try to hold back from thinking about the paw prints on the kitchen floor yeah. and the shower and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and that's the act of getting messy. And you have to let it all out. And I invited in writing, if you want to draw, people have sent me their visual briefs and that's Mm -hmm. great too. But when we get it out parked somewhere on a page, we suddenly create the distance, the emotional distance for us to look at it, examine it and bring curiosity into it. But when it's swirling in our heads, it creates its own patterns and loops Mm -hmm. and it takes up the space. And so that looping thought that my husband is the problem, my husband is the problem, it didn't create any space yeah. for other possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't look at it without it being attached to the emotions it triggered. But once I got it on the page, suddenly I could go, oh, wait, what? Yeah. What's this here? Or, oh, that's not really important. But this is interesting. Now let's dig deeper in it. In the book, I quote a poet, writer, someone who used to be my neighbor, Roger Housden. And he says, writing rearranges the furniture of our minds. Mm -hmm. And it does. It's so beautifully said. When we put it out there, suddenly you're seeing things in new orchestration, new arrangements, and it becomes clay for you to play with and work with. Well, What's really interesting is I'm I'm always asked, you know, uh, how do I, you know, get through a hard time or, you know, if someone's struggling and I always say, whether you think of yourself as a writer or not, write so that you can see the stories you're telling yourself and, and, and create the distinction between what is real and what is true. Yes. And, and usually if you if you kind of can read your story rather than have it kind of cover you, you get to go from this place of my friend, Dr. Allen said this to me one day, she was talking about one of her most profound moments was the the shift between will we get through this to how do we get through this? Because in your head, it's always will we, and that's what you were saying about, do I stay? Do I leave? It, it's, it, we're only in these binaries and we're not in this kind of the, the more abstract question. Um, and it's interesting because I was talking to Simon, my partner the other day about something else completely unrelated to this, but he's saying, well, you know, I see both sides something. And I was like, we have to stop saying both sides, all sides, because everything has 30 different, probably million different ways to see, understand, and feel in these kind of giant ideas. Mm. And that is, I think, kind of questioning something, you know, because I think we can question from judgment and we can question from curiosity. And I think sometimes we don't know when we're doing the one we think it's curiosity and it's actually judgment. And one yields nothing but a multitude of solutions. And one actually only has 
someone being bad and someone being good and some or someone <laughs> being there and someone being left. Yeah, judgment really has limitations. Right? You you always want an enemy or someone the bad or the good. Mm-hmm. Curiosity I think can be expansive in one realm or it can be deepening and peeling, you know, mm-hmm. peeling back those layers in the onion again. So it really depends on where you aim it. And what I love about writing is you can write in different ways. There's exploratory writing, which is what we're talking about, right? Let let the pen lead, dump it out, be completely free. And then there's committed writing where you're being very choiceful about the words and structuring those sentences. And that's part two in Get Clear. Now we're distilling, sorting, eliminating, and then expressing with evocative language, juicy language, bolder language. And that's where we get to play with the act of expression, moving, writing into feeling, and then being committed, Mm. committing to words. And that's really giving ourselves process too, which is what I felt very um, grateful for and how this book is written, because I think a lot of us move through the world without process. You know, whenever I'm working with anyone on a project or or hiring in any way, something I, I feel that I'm always the most clear on is what is your process? What is what needs to be the shared process and what is my process? You know, what type of listener are you? Are you listening to feel that you are completely understanding the goal or are you listening to feel your place in the goal? Because that's two different processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time, I think especially in today's culture, because we think that things move so quickly without process because we see, you know, finish lines are ultimately these celebratory moments. So they're more on the highlights and what we see and or we see the day that something has started. But we there's not really, to me, as much talk in, in process. And I think if there is, sometimes it is in a workspace of being like, okay, step one, step two, da, da, da. But this idea that you holistically put a processing kind of mechanism on your life, I found to be something I don't think people are expressing in the way that you are talking about it in in quite such a clear way. Well, I love what your observation is. And it's so true in a culture, we always just skip to the outcome, the win. Yeah, And then we rewrite the story of how it got there to be yeah. overly simplified. Yeah, And it feels so easy, but how do the rest of us do it? And, and I was trying to occupy that middle space. I have this brilliant editor, thank you, Leah Miller, who kept saying to me, you do your strategy work so intuitively, but your job in writing the book is to walk the blind horse down the mountain to get yeah. to water with just your words. So you have to unpack every nuance of how you move through this. And I put over that the filter of it has to be inexcusable. It has to be in such small doses that anyone suffering from the busy trap or cultural ADD or, you know, just the resistance can come in and dip their toes into it and still get something rich and meaningful. How do you think the everyday person like myself is supposed to get to our rich time with 
um, our phones in our hands all the time? Well, first of all, I don't think I think he, I don't think you're every day at all. <laughs> <laughs> but because that's what I mean, I'm like, oh, everyone in my life, I just am like, we gotta like, how do we, you know, what is the balance? I think it gets so restrictive, and and it is it is such a block. I mean, the cultural ADD is fed by this idea that there is, you know this constant flow of stimulus in the palm of our hands that is also designed to addict us. You know, I mean, it's designed by people who design lottery and um, slot machines in Vegas. So what the heck? I hear you. I mean, I work in advertising, right? I invite practice. I call it a practice for a reason because it gets easier the more you do it. So it's really about cultivating habits in small slivers of time. And that it is how I was able to write a book in a pandemic with four yeah. kids and leading an agency. It was in the smallest slivers of time. Now, some people write books in six months. It took me three and a half years. Yeah. And luckily I had a team that allowed me to do it in those small slivers of time, but the tiniest yet consistent and continuous actions can breed tremendous outcomes. So again, I try to break it down for the reader to make it inexcusable and hopefully irresistible. So I say, if you don't have 10 minutes to do a brain dump, which is a daily rewriting mm -hmm. exercise, then make it five. You don't have five minutes, then make it three. And what I find is most people, they'll give themselves three minutes or five minutes and 10 mm -hmm. minutes, and they'll end up doing a half an hour because something flows. And some days it doesn't flow. I, I have a great story in the book, which I love. It's, it is a writer who was daunted by the idea of writing her novel. And so the lowest stakes commitment she made to herself on the daily was to just open her manuscript. Mm -hmm. She made it that easy. And some days when she opened it, she wrote a sentence. Some days she didn't write at all. And then someday she wrote a thousand words mm -hmm. and within a month, just by opening it each day, she got further. She was shocked by how far she got. So again, I'm trying to make it so tiny, so small that it's inexcusable. Someone said to me one day that they were like, I can't, I, I want to do yoga every day and I just can't do it, but I just put the mat out. And I just say, just get on the mat for 10 minutes, no matter what you do. And what your book really reminded me of was kind of, you know, for anyone putting this book in your kitchen with just a little yellow legal pad inside of it, and then putting it there and then knowing that at any point in the time and even presetting your 10 minute timer to just press start on the timer. And because there is just 10 minutes throughout the day to just say it's sitting there and it's, and it's kind of waiting for me. And, you know, I remember after my first pregnancy during COVID or I don't remember when it was, but I had really bad brain fog and it was one of the mm. first times in my life. I was like, I can't really read. I was, I was just going through that kind of like, I don't know what it, I've always been a reader. So I never had that feeling of, and I was like, I'm just going to read one page a night. 
I love and, that. And it was the weirdest, like I just picked up maybe like a Pema Chodron book or something. And I said, I'm just going to, cause I, cause she wrote in small chapters. So even one page. I love Pema Chodron. Yeah. Oh she, my she writes in kind of a page and a half mm-hmm. prose. And so I was like, I'm just going to read one page. And, and I'd always just end up finishing the section, but that was truly how I got back on track to being able to find a flow in you know, really bringing not just attention, but awareness to something that was a value to me. Now, what I think is going to be, is the tricky part for people is how they, you know, we, it's easier for us to do stuff for our kids. It's easy to do stuff for other people. It's easy to do stuff at work and for our partners and for everything so hard to a be messy for ourselves. And then want to clean up that want to open that can of worms to begin with, and then clean it up and organize it. Well, that's a buildup. That's a, I, I always say, I say this to my children. I say this to my husband, don't build it up, break it down. Just focus on the very first step and eliminate everything else from your brain. Because when we build it up, oh, I'm going to have to organize this. Oh, I'm going to have to then act on it. Oh gosh, that's going to be hard. We're already predicting how hard or laborious it's going to be. Yeah. And that sets us up to fail. And instead, if we can just be present with the one thing, open the document. And I love your idea. Place it where I'm always going to run into it yeah. so that it's always available in the kitchen with that little scratch pad, just inviting me automatically. That's what I'm really inviting people to do. Make it so easy that you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to already stumble in your mind before you've started. Yeah. Just start easy. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today and for writing this book. It was definitely something I felt I wanted to gift to 10 people I know. And so I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, something I always think about my own books is that if my mom and her friends couldn't relate to it, I don't want to write it. So I just, I never write anything that I don't feel, you know, my mom in her kitchen in Louisiana with all of her girlfriends having wine, one of them wouldn't read and say, I really like that, or I get that, or that's cool. And I think a lot of the times, especially because it's hard not to want to design these books for a specific generation at a time, because one generation is usually so prevalent as far mm-hmm. as you know, who's up for that type of learning or hitting that stage of development or you know, where you're ready to kind of take on these life tools or whatever. And I felt that this was a book that would be so useful for so many. I wanted to get it for someone graduating from high school. I wanted to get it for my mom and her friends in the kitchen. So I'm really grateful that you wrote it. And I want to thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing a little bit of its wisdom with our Goop peeps today. Well, I'm so grateful that you dove into it and got to know it so well. You said something before about process. And what I found is people really love to do this together. So whether it's a couple or a group of girlfriends Mm. or a work team, because it gives them shared language and shared process. Mm. And that allows them to feel a little safer in doing it and also more inspired because they hear each other's ideas and challenges. So yeah, and I think it has that effect of, I can think of 10 people who might be able to use this because it's it was a lived experience first. 
And then it became an idea that was told. Well, I'm going to put a little prompt. If you want to find, what is it? What a group of five, would that be good? Yeah. If you want to do this book with a group of five people and you want me to connect you with the five people, I will put an email down at the bottom of this conversation. It'll just be Cleo at cleoway.com. And I will connect you with five other people and send you all this book to do the life brief, create a life brief together. Thank you, Cleo. This was so fun. Thanks for tuning in to today's conversation. The life brief is out now, and I hope you'll pick up a copy. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Goop Podcast.